In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, about a year ago, I bought a new car. It's actually slightly used, uh, but it's a car that I love. Um, I take real good care of it, um, wash it often. It's, uh, it's kind of quick and reliable. Um, and the reason I think I love it so much is one of the few places in my life that I have control. You know, at home I have two small children, so it's just constant chaos, and I'm a pastor. Um, so in my car, you know, I can keep it clean, and, and I love it. And last week, uh, I was uh, at Elmwood Cemetery doing a funeral, and when the funeral was over, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but um, there's not much of a sort of, there's a curb or anything, just sort of drainage. Uh, ditch, and I didn't notice in front of my car, maybe you've seen this before, what was protruding out is this um, uh, cover over the drain on top of cinder blocks, a cement block, and I didn't see it, and I ran into it as I was pulling out, and my bumper hit it, and the car launched off of the thing like a ramp, and the car landed on the undercarriage. And so I've got a scuffed up bumper and uh, dents on the undercarriage, and I'd been thinking already that week about this sermon and what I would preach and immediately when my car landed, I thought, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. <laughs> that is the, 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 the emphasis, the thrust of what I want to talk about today. And the, the context of that uh, verse comes from uh, Matthew chapter 6, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, in which Jesus Christ, among many other things that he talks about, their one theme that is uh, throughout the Sermon on the Mount is a demand for a true and eternal obedience and not mere outward lip service uh, to the law. Uh, he'll say things like, you've heard it was said, but I say to you, cutting to the heart of the matter, uh, going down deep of where the sin lies. And, and uh, in our chapter, chapter six, he discusses three examples of spiritual practices, um, giving of offerings, praying and fasting. And the principle is similar in each of those three cases. The concern is with an honest heart change when it comes to piety and not mere external showy acts. And flowing out of uh, uh, all of that is our present topic, choosing the heavenly rather than the earthly treasures. Uh, internal and not external obedience, or paying attention to the eternal and not the temporal. The Bible talks an awful lot about wealth and greed, uh, perhaps more than things like lust or swearing or drinking alcohol in excess. But these are the types of topics American Christians have been most concerned with over time, and we um, don't talk as much about wealth and greed as the Bible does. And so there are so many cross-references that I could uh, bring out to help us understand uh, this line from uh, Matthew chapter 6. But let me just highlight one for you, and this is one that appears uh, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is the the story of the rich young ruler. And since we're in Matthew, let me read to you just a, an excerpt of that encounter when the rich young man comes to Jesus. And he uh, says to him, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, 
You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? And you'll note here that the young man is deceived by the outward, uh, the performance, the lip service of what we can see. And so Jesus, in, at this point, mines deep. He goes deep below the surface to the, to the man's heart. Uh, and this might be this similar problem for you, but maybe it's something else. But hear what he s- says to the young man. Jesus says, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Like I said, you know, maybe it's not wealth in the same way that it is uh, for this uh, young man. Maybe it is, but there's probably something else in your life that if you came to uh, talk to Jesus in a similar fashion that he would uh, cut to the heart with for you. Uh, in, in some way, all of us, all of us, all of humanity are rich. Uh, in some way, we lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. And no matter our station in life, we uh, clamor after the things And according to Jesus, this is an absolute dire and eternal concern. There was a bishop in the 19th century in Liverpool named J.C. Ryle, John Charles Ryle, who is a a hero of historic Anglican evangelicalism. Uh, And he, uh, in his life, was acquainted with both wealth and the loss of it um, early on and throughout his life. Uh, He came from a family of means. His father was a banker, uh, and so as a result, he was privileged with good education. He went to one of the best boarding schools in the world, especially England. He went to Oxford to to Christ Church College, and he left the university with the intention of becoming a member of parliament at a fairly young age, in his 20s. But he was deprived of the means of attaining this because his father went bankrupt. So all of a sudden, his family, who was wealthy, was now broke. uh, And he could not uh, uh, strive after his ambitions to go into parliament because at the time, uh, members of parliament weren't paid. Um, So he had to find something else to do, and he became a minister, partly out of necessity. and. During his adult life, he married three times because two of his first two wives died at a young age uh, and had much sorrow over this. I mean, uh, had children with both of these wives. So wealth in another way and then the loss of it. And his ministry had a great success in evangelizing blue-collared people in rural villages, partly due to how long he stayed at some of the churches, Um, But, you know, here was a man who came from an opposite place in life of wealth and was able to connect to folks uh, of lesser means. Um, And he even was offered positions at other bigger churches and and denied those uh, opportunities. In his uh, book, Holiness, uh, he addresses the, the, the topic at hand about treasure and wealth. And I want to read an excerpt uh, to you from that book. And as I read it, 
allow him to address you personally as an individual as I read these words, that this might be a direct address to you. It may be you are struggling hard for the rewards of this world. Perhaps you are straining every nerve to obtain money or place or power or pleasure. If that be your case, take care. You are sowing a crop of bitter disappointment. Thousands have trodden the path you are pursuing and have awoke too late to find it end in misery and eternal ruin. They have fought hard for wealth and honor and office and promotion and turned their backs on God and Christ and heaven and the world to come. And what has their end been? Often, far too often, they have found out that their whole life has been a grand mistake. For your own happiness' sake, resolve this day to join the Lord's side. Shake off your past carelessness and unbelief. Come out from the ways of a thoughtless, unreasoning world. Take up the cross that you may be happy as well as safe. Think what the children of this world will often do for liberty without any religious principle. If men can do so much for a corruptible crown, how much more should you do for one which is incorruptible? Awake to a sense of the misery of being a slave. Well, what is it uh, that you struggle with? In what ways are you struggling hard for the rewards of this world, whether they're material or something else, money or place or power or pleasure, wealth, honor, office, or promotion, as Ryle says? You know, what is it in particular for you? What thing perhaps do you lack and clamor after, or what do you possess that you need to give away? Maybe it's material, uh, an earthly treasure, but maybe it's uh, just an idea of something or somebody's idea that they've given to you and a lie that you now believe and are striving for. Or maybe it's a relationship that uh, is causing uh, this, uh, this sin. Chances are you're already aware of the sort of bitter disappointment, misery, and ruin that can come uh, from these things or ideas or relationships. Uh, I mean, we were all acquainted with this when it came to money and with 2008 with the recession, not even a decade ago, you know? And in your own life, there are probably other things that have taken your wealth away, whatever it is. Remember that moth and rust destroy our earthly treasures and thieves may break in and steal them. In other words, they're just dust. As Ecclesiastes says, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil? All go to one place. All are from the dust and to dust all return. And the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Or as the band Kansas said, all my dreams pass before my eyes. All they are is just dust in the wind. All my dreams are just dust in the wind. J.C. Ryle, who, are, who I just quoted, uh, was a big critic of the topic of ritualism, which, by the way, extends beyond the church. Of course, it's a, a topic in the church, but we make ritual out of so many things in life. And ritualism is basically a confusing or emphasizing of signs or things 
over the meaning that they signify. You know, just take my wedding ring, or if you have one. Uh, it's a sign of my vow and bond to my wife, but I don't confuse the thing for the thing that it signifies, the idea, the meaning behind it. Last, the bond and the vow last even if I drop it down the drain. So many today around the world, uh, either here at this church, around our nation, around the world, will confuse the sign of Ash Wednesday with the things it signifies. The sign is the mark of the ashes, or you could say dust. The words we say are, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Or in some traditions, they say when they're marking uh, with the ashes, repent and believe the gospel. And the thing signified is your weakness, your humility, your earthiness, your inherent corruption at the deepest core, your need for repentance, your reliance on God's strength, forgiveness, and atonement. Again, the meaning signified and not the sign is what's important. So today, consider receiving the ashes if you accept the, the meaning signified. Indeed, as the, the passage we re read today warns, beware of practicing your piety before others. You know, if you came here today just for the ashes, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Don't let your piety uh, puff you up. Don't do this for external show. Do this for the rending of your heart and not your garment. So if you're here only for the, the vanity of the ashes so that you can walk them around your office today and people might think highly of you for going to church today, consider instead of coming to the rail perhaps to search yourself and repent of the, the vanity, the, the wealth that you long after, all the things that we discussed. What is your treasure here on earth that needs to go away? The good news is when you repent, you find that you have the greatest treasure. Adoption as a child of God and an inheritance, a heavenly inheritance. Allow him to adopt you today and allow him to write you into his will. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen.